Previously on Dry Powder. We saw more demand for healthcare investments than we've ever seen. Neeraj Jain and Kara Murphy, the co-heads of Bain's private equity healthcare team, took stock of a remarkable year of changes to the healthcare sector. Today on the show, we'll consider why a conceptual shift to healthcare as national defense could create an enormous change in how the public and private sector work together for the common good and investment success. The amount of coordination and collaboration in the industry was unprecedented. And it's opened everyone's eyes as to what's going to be possible as we move forward. I'm Hugh MacArthur, head of Bain's global private equity practice. And this is Dry Powder. You guys have come up with a phrase in your healthcare private equity annual report that I've never heard before. You talk about healthcare as national defense. How is healthcare national defense? So let's take just the United States as the example here. This notion of healthcare as national defense took hold when our country realized we didn't have enough ventilators and PPE at the beginning of the pandemic, and we didn't have a local supply chain to be able to secure it. We realized it when we had no national coordinated system to be able to track patient care. Well, I think everyone in healthcare knows very well the limits of our information systems in the sector. I don't think the average American knew that the only way for many care providers to be able to inform their local health authority of a COVID patient was to send a fax, a fax in 2020. And this was the way that we were coordinating uh, care at the local, regional, and national level. All of this came to a head about a year ago. That's when everyone woke up and said, healthcare is infrastructure for us. And it is a form of national defense. It's going to impact the economy. It's going to impact our standing in the world if we can't address this. Now, healthcare is a huge slug of the economy, isn't it? It's like 17 or 18% of GDP. What are some of the implications of a kind of conceptual shift of healthcare as national defense? So some positive ones would be around, how do we think about ensuring that everyone has the access and coverage needed to both get cared for during a pandemic and frankly, outside of the pandemic. All this heightened focus around home-based care services requires one, that we have enough clinician supply. And so how do we make the jobs appealing for a range of workers so there's enough supply to provide care for people in the homes? And two, how do we have the right coverage and innovative models to meet people where they are? So that's a huge positive. The second is oriented around what type of government incentives can and should exist as we think about things like drug development, supply chain, and technology. And governments probably um, have some very hard questions to ask around what should the role of government be to incent and ensure that everyone is cared for during moments of crisis while preserving the entrepreneurial spirit and innovation that the private sector has shown pays off with respect to building companies that create enduring value for people in society. Let's think about one of the more obvious benefits of public and private partnerships. We've just seen a vaccine delivered, as you mentioned, Kara, in record time. How do you see pharmaceutical R&D evolving in the future? I think this has just set the new normal. It's proven to all of us that when we focus our talent and our resources we can accomplish things that we previously thought weren't possible. It gives us proof of what we can do. And then I think that leads to new hope and ambition. I'm not sure how many folks that are outside of healthcare truly appreciate just what it takes to go from bench science 
to shots in arms in a year. The amount of coordination and collaboration in the industry was unprecedented. And it's opened everyone's eyes as to what's going to be possible as we move forward. Well, as someone who got their first dose on Monday, I'm very grateful that we were able to develop the vaccine in less than a year. You mentioned fax machines earlier. Are we also going to see substantial investments in healthcare IT? Absolutely. We've talked about repeatedly on, on, our, on our discussions the fact that healthcare is behind other industries, underspends in technology, right? And so we remain quite bullish on clinical technology, whether it's care coordination technology to enable a patient across their journey, whether it's financial technology to enable providers to get paid faster and to manage the increased consumerism that's existing in the future healthcare system, whether it's supply chain technology that helps coordinate to make sure that we've got the ventilators that we need. Across the board, um, there is a need for more investment in healthcare technology, and we expect that will be an undeniable trend going forward. You've talked a lot about innovative healthcare practices, home hospital, telemedicine, other areas that have evolved at an incredible rate over the past year. We also, as investors, always have concerns over the public payment system, especially in the U.S., and how it's going to embrace these innovative healthcare practices or not. What are your feelings on some of these practices and how payers may react? Public payers have always played a vital role in changing and evolving our healthcare system, and they're going to continue to do that. While a lot of innovation absolutely comes from the private sector, and you'll see that be fueled further by all of the growth equity investments that are being made coming out of 2020. We have to keep in mind that a lot of that innovation is pushed into the market by the public policy and the actions of public payers. So what CMS does matters. If CMS says, hey, we're going to embrace providing more acute care in a home setting, and we're going to do that through the following payment mechanisms, you're going to see that innovation happen in the market. And so the public payers are going to be vital in continuing to evolve our healthcare system based on some of the things that we saw over the past year. And what are some of the ways investors can push their thinking on next generation solutions and really ride the momentum of some of these public-private partnerships? So there's a real opportunity to take what is in the early innings to scale. Right. So we, we continue to talk about this excitement around something like hospital at home, which, again, to near its point around public payer support, CMS supported that and supported that at a pace probably a lot faster than they would have otherwise because of the COVID pandemic. And now that's here to stay. But scaling a hospital at home concept, that's a big um, execution lift as you think about pivoting care that typically is in the hospital outside of a home and it's not basic home care services, but how do I you know, enable an ICU at home, right? There's a lot of complexity in that and then we're in the early innings. And much like other categories of healthcare we've seen over time, things move from very local operations to more sophisticated scale platforms where there's a win-win for all with respect to what some of those scale platform providers can offer in terms of investing in things like technology in terms of investing in best-in-class clinical processes. Um, And as a result, I think there's a lot of opportunity for investors to think through how they want to play those next-generation trends. And whether it is, one, taking a company and taking it to the next level that's focused on this innovative model, or taking a more classically-oriented business and reinventing itself with respect to 
following where the market is going and moving from model 1.0, which they might be in today, to models 2.0 and 3.0 tomorrow. And just given valuations today, you have to have more conviction than ever before on how you're going to add value to a particular company. So this means focusing beyond just the market diligence on things like commercial excellence. What's the add-on M&A that I want to do? What's the capability pivot into a new digital capability? And what we see the leading investors in healthcare doing is not only building these discreetly into their thesis, but also doing the diligence work to validate these elements and then underwriting that in their investment case. And your point is really interesting about helping companies more on the value creation process, because it's not clear that CEOs and management teams know how to do a lot of this, right? If I need an entirely new value chain that's more resilient in the pharmaceutical business, I may not know how to do that as a management team if I haven't done it. I just spent the last 20 years pushing everything to China and low-cost countries. Now I have to do things differently. Or if I run a a set of physical therapy or psychotherapy retail health clinics, I may not understand the technology business enough to get into telemedicine. I may not know understand how to market that, how to support that, how to get the right customer experience. So you're really talking about both underwriting things and being quick to have the sector expertise to understand where a subsector is going to go. But also, once you own the asset, you may need to really have to roll up your sleeves and help the management team execute on things that they just don't have a lot of experience with. Is that right? That's right. And at the same time that management teams are overwhelmed with all the other things that they have to be doing to run their businesses, cybersecurity is an issue. The change in the employee base is an issue in the ways of working for them. These are all things that are on the CEO's agenda. And so they're going to be overwhelmed. They're going to need that help. And that's where private equity really can step in to provide uh, capabilities. It really almost begs the question for private equity firms, what kind of capabilities do they need to have on the payroll or in their expert ecosystem to be able to deliver this? And does this require a rethink of what my entire value creation process looks like? I think that's very well said. Yeah, very well said. And, and I would add a, a couple of uh, elements to that. First of all, as just they're thinking about prosecuting their opportunities. And like we said, it's not sector, it's not just subsector, it might be segment within the subsector. There's some element of what's, what's the healthcare view to this and what are the analogous playbooks that we th should think about applying here, right? So we talked about retail health and how to think about consumer and retail best practices. When we look at healthcare IT, um, how to bring a tech playbook, because frankly, healthcare expertise matters, but tech expertise matters as well, especially as you're thinking about what's my right to win as a vertical tech player in healthcare IT competing against a range of horizontal players which are becoming increasingly aggressive as we think about what the Microsofts, the Googles, the Amazons are trying to do in healthcare. And then like financial services in a world where we're, we're trying to move beyond um, paper checks and faxes, how do we think about what the best in class FinTech companies have done? And what can we learn from that as we look at opportunities across the healthcare revenue cycle and payments chain? And so bringing the best of the fund and, and teaming in a new way with respect to industry verticals and, and playbooks and then absolutely bringing these capabilities, whether it's the commercial excellence, the operational excellence, the money maps, all of those things to know where the opportunity lies. And frankly, also strategic focus, because increasingly investors are being very creative around, well, what is my value creation thesis? But there even is bets that need to be made in terms of, gee, this, there's a few different option bets for this company. 
which one am I actually going to double down on? And do I have the right executives, management team, advisors, capabilities to execute on that option bet versus an alternative option bet? And so upping your game, frankly, across the board and teaming with your other industry verticals and all of your capability experts in, in a whole new way. That is an amazing array of opportunities and challenges that you just laid out, Kara. The one thing that keeps coming back to me through these sessions is that we must somehow in the healthcare system retire the fax machine era as a result of this and we do nothing else. Absolutely. We're working on it. Well, Karen Nirid, it's very clear that there's a lot of innovation going on in the healthcare space. You've certainly given investors and all of us a lot to think about. I wanted to thank you very much for stopping by the show today. Thank you, Hugh. Thank you. You can find a link to Bain's Healthcare Private Equity Annual Report in the notes to this episode, or you can visit www.bain.com. I'm Hugh MacArthur. Thank you for listening. Thank you.